Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Now, a report that was published last year by the Rainforest Action Network and five other non-profits found that 35 of the world's major banks have provided £2 trillion of funding to fossil fuel companies. As yet, there's no government-backed label that proves whether or not an account or a savings provider is sustainable. Finding out, you know, where that money is going, it can be easier said than done. There's this great myth in in society that uh, environmental considerations come at the expense of profit, and you're going to see that myth completely unravel in the years to come. Today I'm joined by Witch Money experts Gareth Shaw and Danielle Richardson for a much-needed discussion on sustainable bank accounts. We'll be cutting through the claims of sustainability to uncover what banks are actually doing with your money. Plus we'll be revealing which providers are the most sustainable and whether going green really comes at a cost to your interest rate. We are Witch. Unless you keep your money stashed away under the mattress or in a bank's safe deposit box, the reality is it's not just sitting there waiting until you need to use it. That is to say, when you pay cash into your pension, investments or a bank account, your provider will be constantly investing with it. Today, we're going to be talking specifically about what your building society or bank is doing with your savings and how sustainable they really are. And we've got some new and really insightful research to back it up. But before we get there, Gareth, how much do we know about the environmental impact of our money? Because when you think of the climate emergency and things you can do to help, the likes of switching to a bamboo toothbrush or cutting down on red meat might come up. And I don't want to take credit away from them. But are these smaller everyday changes really a drop in the ocean compared with what's going on in your bank account? Look, these behavioural changes are important and they need to be done en masse for for real impact to happen. But when it comes to finances and the financial services industry, they are contributors to climate change in a way that dwarfs those things that you've been talking about. Now, a report that was published last year by the Rainforest Action Network and five other non-profits, found that 35 of the world's major banks, many of them that we know, have provided £2 trillion of funding to fossil fuel companies since the Paris uh, Climate Agreement was um, signed in at the end of 2015. Wow. 
That doesn't necessarily mean that's your money sitting in your bank account that's going to fossil fuel companies. Banks have an investment banking arm and a retail banking arm. The two are kept separate. Um, And your money tends to be used for lending to other customers, such as mortgages or personal loans or maybe small businesses for people that want to grow. The the funding that goes to fossil fuel companies is run by investment banks. So it's not like your money necessarily in your bank account is fueling um, climate change, but certainly banks play an absolutely enormous role in funding the companies that contribute to climate change. Your pensions as well, there's £2.7 trillion in um, British pensions. And that money is invested in a whole range of assets. Some of that will be sat in oil companies, fossil fuel producing companies. Some of it will be sat in companies that make wind farms and solar panels as well. Um, But if you want to take action, that is your money. You know, yes, it's invested on your behalf by perhaps your employer or the scheme that runs your your pension. Um, But often you have the ability to dictate where that money goes. Um, And there are increasing numbers of options for people um, to choose more sustainable options uh, with their pension. But yes, our money makes a huge difference to climate change. Okay, so knowing that your money can have a real effect on climate change is one thing. But once you're at this stage, while it is a strong and mindful starting point, you will then face with the very difficult job of working out where each bank would actually invest your money and whether their investments are in line with your values. Danielle, the problem here is that this is really difficult information for savers to find out, isn't it? It really can be, yes. I think it's worth pointing out that as yet, there's no government-backed label that proves whether or not an account or a savings provider is sustainable. So essentially, it's up to customers to make up their own minds about where they're happy, you know, with what their money is used for. But finding out, you know, where that money is going, it can be easier said than done. In our research, a couple of the top scoring providers we looked at are actually very transparent with their their sustainability information. For instance, Ecology Building Society publishes all of this kind of information on its About Us page on its website. But this really is a rarity for most people to find out how uh, your savings provider is using your money and you know how they're aiming to improve their environmental impact, for instance. Hmm. You'd have to sift through its annual report. Um, if you've ever tried to read one, they tend to be at least 100 pages long, full of industry jargon, and it's really difficult to work out what on earth is going on in those documents. I can't say I have. I, I wouldn't even know where to, to find one, really. No. Well, again, you know, you might find it on their website or it might be sort of buried it it really does vary um and then even if you do find the information that you're looking for the fact that you know a lot of providers report these things differently makes it incredibly difficult to compare one to the other we recently surveyed uh 1071 witch members um earlier this year and 28% said that they really care about the values of the company their savings are invested with but 69% said they wouldn't know how to find out this information, you know, about their bank's green credentials. Hmm. So it really does suggest some providers aren't being clear enough. 
The lack of standardised labels for these accounts and investments and pensions is something we've also covered in our special crossover episode with our sister podcast, which investigates. And it was called Could Your Money Be Causing Climate Change? There we also discuss greener investment and pension options. So if you haven't heard it, do go back and have a listen. You can find it in the Which Money podcast feed. In that episode, we heard from Olivia Bowen. She's a partner at investment firm Castlefield. And she says there needs to be a significant change to the way the sustainability of financial products is defined. The industry is is desperately trying to define it in a way, and even the FCA is getting involved, because they're aware that if you mislabel something, then that could lead to a whole complaint issue further down the line you know and it's great that the fca again only recently but still is getting behind this and trying to make sure that the industry is fit for purpose as it were as it grows Now, while there is a lack of transparency and the problem of greenwashing is very much centre stage, the good news is that we've been able to cut through this for saving accounts. And we've put together a ranking of 18 banks, including high street names and newer online ones, all based on their environmental practices. So, Danielle, claims of sustainability, they can mean a lot of different things and be so hard to measure, which is why this research is such a helpful resource for savers. Can you talk us through what you were considering and the rankings you came up with for each bank? Sure. So as we've discussed, there are no kind of set industry rules on what is and isn't termed as green or sustainable. So we worked with experts um, at Ethical Consumer to come up with a set of criteria. There's always more you could look into, but we felt that these were sensible things to look across each provider. As a start, rather than looking into specific products or accounts that have been labelled green, we looked at providers as a whole um, and sought to understand the provider's environmental policies and what they use your savings for. In order for the information to be used as part of the research, it had to be publicly available on the provider's website, which is key, really. So, you know, it could be that some of the featured providers are doing more to aid the environment than their score might suggest. But if the researchers couldn't find it and therefore, you know, prospective customers can't find it, then we couldn't give them a point for it. So we looked at four categories. The first was environmental reporting, which looked at things like environmental targets and the provider's understanding of their environmental impacts. The second category was carbon reporting and management and this is all to do with reporting things like greenhouse gas emissions and whether the company had any involvement in investing in fossil fuels or other projects that would be considered environmentally damaging. Category three uh, is all about transparency and ethical lending so this looks at a provider's business and equity investments and whether it discloses them and also whether it's got any ethical lending policies and how much it engages with its customers about these. Finally, we've got a category that's called company ethos. This looks into each company's business structure. So for instance, if it's a building society, these have to use the majority of deposits to fund residential mortgages. So therefore there is a limit on how potentially damaging investments they could be making. All of the providers were given a mark out of 100. And, you know, despite there being so many criteria that we've looked into, we still got some really high scores. Triodos Bank, for instance, came top 
uh, scoring 92 points. And then Ecology Building Society and Nationwide both scored 90 points, which is really impressive and significantly higher than most of the other providers we looked into. We could also see some kind of general themes going on. So a lot of building societies in general uh, scored fairly high, while the big high street banks were kind of mid-table. Towards the bottom, we tended to find kind of newer challenger banks. And the main reason for these low scores was basically down to the lack of publicly available environmental information. So as I mentioned earlier, it could be that, you know, there is really good environmental work going on behind the scenes, but we just couldn't award points for it. Thanks, Danielle. So let's hear from our friends at Ethical Consumer, who we partnered with for this research. We've been speaking to one of their research directors, Rob Harrison. Most of the main providers are making a lot of money out of oil and gas and coal, and they need to work out how they're going to have a business model that doesn't do that in the future, because clearly, you know, if we're all going to survive, we don't need that kind of stuff around. So it's been a big wake up call from from a very poor base. There is much more transparency than there was. Having said that, you know, it, it's, it's not it's not particularly great. And, you know, the majority of our provide, you know, the people that we assessed in this, you know, scored below 50 percent of, of what we thought would be good. So so it's still a long way to go, but a lot better than it was. Now, while the majority did score below 50%, there were some really hopeful outcomes as well. As we heard from Danielle, the top performing or most sustainable bank in our ranking is Triodos, with an impressive 92% score. It did well across the board, but scored full marks in the categories that covered its plans to reduce your money's carbon impact on the environment, including avoiding investment in fossil fuels, and secondly, transparency, making it clear to see where your money goes. And we've been talking to Triodos CEO Bevis Watts to find out more about their work. So Triodos um, uh, was established um, over 40 years ago uh, under the auspices that money really should be used in all our interests. And so we only finance things that can demonstrate a a positive environmental, social or cultural uh, benefit. And we allow our customers to be the judge of whether we get that right because we publish every loan and investment that we make worldwide. So you can see and scrutinize uh, what your money is doing. The kinds of things that we will um, lend money to uh, on the environment side, we will be financing regenerative agriculture, sustainable forestry, organic farming, but also um, renewable energy and uh, and new technology. So uh, last year, we financed the UK's um, first major rollout of electric vehicle charging points to supermarket car parks and also um, the UK's first all electric intercity coach service between uh, Aberdeen and Dundee. So those just examples of some of the innovative things we do on the environment side. But we also really aspire to achieve an inclusive society and where everybody can be part of a a just transition to a net zero economy. Gareth, when it comes to deciding which bank account to put your money in, it's not just about green credentials, though, is it? Because if you want to get the most for your money, that means interest rates. And in our survey, we actually found eight in 10 members said interest rates mattered most. So, Gareth, comparing our sustainability ranking to the interest tables, does a green bank account come at a cost? When Danielle first conducted her research, the answer was yes. Uh, The higher the score of the bank, 
generally in our tables, the lower the interest rate. But this goes to show that this can change all the time, because when we finally put the print version of this article up online, actually interest rates had shifted a little bit and um, things were looking a bit more attractive. I At the moment, I think it's really difficult to make these decisions because interest rates are so blooming low. I mean, they're awful pretty much right the way around the board. So if you choose a sustainable uh, provider, you're not really sacrificing much interest at all if the rate is 0.05 different to the best performer out there because you're still not earning a huge amount. So you might as well put it into something that matches your morals, if it does match your morals, of course. Mm. I think the, the, the proof will be when we're in a more normal interest environment and seeing whether or not these sustainable options can be competitive on rate as well to give people that extra push towards them. You're absolutely right. People will prioritise the return that they get. That's not to say you can't get decent returns from more sustainable financial choices. I mean, we've done research in the past on pensions that shows that some ethical pension funds, I know that's not quite sustainable uh, or green, it means lots of things as we've discussed on many occasions across this podcast and, and the Witch Investigates podcast, um, but they don't do badly at all. You know, over five years, you could get 70 or 80% cumulatively on your cash and that's not to be sniffed at. So I think the jury's out at the moment because everything's dire. In a normal environment, you'd hope that A, more and more banks are making more and more sustainable commitments in the ways that they operate, which makes it easier for you to choose a greener option because more banks are making these changes. But also that the sustainable providers out there can be competitive and that will give you a, a much easier choice to make. And on this point, Bevis Watts at Triodos is also keen to stress that sustainability and profitability are not mutually exclusive. There's this great um, myth in, in society that uh, environmental considerations come at the expense of profit. And you, you're going to see that um, myth completely unravel in, in the years to come because the businesses that aren't operating with the highest level of environmental and social consciousness are, are really going to be the ones that struggle in a new regulatory environment and, uh, and will carry the greatest risk. Also in the years to come, Rob Harrison from Ethical Consumer says he expects banks to start providing more clear information on where your money is being invested. So banking is really interesting in that the very good and the very bad are poles apart. At the moment, we're seeing, you know, big lenders say, you know, whatever, 15% of our funds is in oil and this kind of stuff, or 20% is in farming. But I think we, we will we will see you know, much more detail about what what people are doing with our money when they take our savings. So choosing a sustainable bank doesn't mean you have to settle for a lower interest rate. But as we've heard today, there is a meaningful difference between the green efforts of providers. As Rob puts it there, the good and bad are poles apart. And that's the key takeaway here. So if this is prompting listeners to switch today, because it really can be done in a matter of minutes after you listen to this podcast, Gareth, how easy is it to switch accounts, whether that be a current account or savings or any other type? 
Let's start with a simple one. Savings account is dead easy because you can just go and open one. Um, it depends on how much uh, the, the account requires, what, what kind of deposit it requires to open an account. Sometimes it's as little as a pound. It might be a hundred pounds. Sometimes it's a thousand pounds. Have a look at the T's and C's. You know, you can just go and open uh, a savings account straight away. The challenge will be potentially is getting your money from your existing savings account into that account. If you're in a fixed rate account, for example, you might face a, a an interest penalty to break that in order to get it into a, a more sustainable savings account. But you can just go and open one of these accounts and go and discover what it's like, put in a small amount and, and, and get to know it and get to know how it's performing um, before you move all of your savings over. You can go and do that right this second, the moment you, you hit pause. Finish this episode first, review us, like, and then go and open your savings account. With bank accounts, it's it, the, the process is a little longer, but not that much longer. Um, it takes seven working days to switch bank account. All you do is you go to your new sustainable provider, if that's where you want to go. You say, I want to join you. Um, and you give them all of your details. And once you've got your account, they handle all of the switching on your behalf. They'll contact all your old bank. They'll get all your direct debits switched over. You know, you're covered by a guarantee, which means that if anything goes wrong, you won't, you know, you'll be covered for any interest payments or anything like that. So it's so easy to switch bank account these days. Why <laughs> haven't you done it? That is my question. Why haven't you already done it? So yeah, you know, from listening to this podcast to next week, you could have a new sustainable home um, for your savings and for the money that's in your current account. Thanks again to Gareth and Danielle and thank you for listening to today's show. And if you've got a minute, as Gareth said, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback and also any questions you have on the topics we've covered. Plus, they really help others find the podcast and get the all important money saving and personal finance advice out there. You can also find us on social media at Witch Money. And for more news and advice, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was recorded, produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Kim Carver.